Welcome to your Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Meh. Textual healing. There was an article that Brent calls internet clickbait trash. That's a great way to start. I, I call it internet click trash. I didn't even clickbait. Well, there's an article. It's just an interesting article. Yeah, it I was. Thought on... It was interesting. A new now next about uh, the queer coding of Disney villains. Um, and the writer speaks about how writers and animators for Disney used certain LGBTQ signifiers to make them seem more menacing or abnormal. Sinister. Right. And she yeah. talks about Scar's limp wrist in The Lion King or the bows in Governor Ratcliffe's hair in Pocahontas, which I don't remember. But right. obviously the, the biggest queer <laughs> villain is The Little Mermaid's Ursula. Yeah. Based on right. Divine. Drag right. queen Divine. John Waters Divine. So she says, uh, the writer says, the villains are supposed to be bad, right? But like many kids who came later came out as members of the LGBTQ community, I couldn't help but love these villains. And she speaks about how she wishes that it weren't that she kind of pines for that time even though these these villains weren't were still villains they you know she respects and sort of has nostalgia for the idea of them having these queer coded characteristics that made these antagonists um more interesting through their villainy Mm -hmm. do you guys agree with that do you i mean i i'm a i'm a disney freak i have an annual pass you do and i am a i'm a, a a strong supporter of disney villains I think yeah. I, I love the villains. I, I love I love Ursula. I love you know Cruella Deville. I love all of them, yeah. and they're all very. You're right. They, they they are queer. They're probably in every film the most queer character in terms of the way they act or maybe what they're based on or whatever. And I think from at least just even an actor's. I'm not an actor, but like from an actor's point of view, it's a lot more fun to play a villain than it is to to play sort of the damsel in distress or the boring character. And it's like you have more range to work with and it's more dramatic. And that's something that's great about being queer and queer performance art, especially the art of drag, is that it's about the heightened emotion emotion and drama. And that often is found in villains. And while this article, I get what the article is trying to do, but really what this is is like an editor being like, we need something to get some clicks. And they write an article that has like a strong point of view. Dare I suggest clickbait trash. And Um, and this is a take on Disney because Disney's a good, Disney is all over the the internet right now. It's great SEO. You write a Disney thing that has something with gay in it, boom. Well, Brent, internet gold. Yeah, I mean, I I, I absolutely, you know, I agree. It's a perfectly reasonable, uh, you know, Article. There's sure. nothing, nothing against writing it. Yeah. I just, I think, to me, a, a lot of these articles um, these days, I, they, they sound more. I, I always say they sound like a, a college discussion at Oberlin, mm-hmm. where it's like it's just because you found a couple of examples doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, make it true. But did yeah. those, did these and, villains, like, click that switch for you when you were a kid, even so if you didn't I, know so it? So I looked it, I looked yes. it up, and I found a couple. Um, the uh, the the Lion King villain Scar uh, Scar has eyeshadow on and b- b- one he co- does yeah or he has well that's it's the darker thing eyes. it's darker that's eyes that's the thing is it yeah. it's one could say it's either eyeshadow or it's a darkened sunken eye and yeah. that's that's almost any villain 
in any movie is gonna have dark eyes and shitty teeth. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> That's like every villain. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Shitty <laughs> the scar of shitty teeth? No, Cruella de Vil didn't have shitty teeth. No, but like any sci-fi villain is, is is has shitty. Like there are there are tropes that we use to yeah. to make people scary. We fuck with their hair, Medusa. Yeah. We fuck with their teeth. Big bad yeah. wolf. Big bad. Sure. Uh, so you know, I, I, to to me. Uh, it's a point well taken, but I just don't know if having a, a darkened eye it's was a stretch. W- it, to me, was a stretch. It's, yeah. Well, and I also think Disney does do. Oftentimes, it might not be direct, but it is implied a lot of times that these evil characters come from a scorned place. They were outcasts. They were yes. hurt in some way. They were, you know, put aside in some way. And their evilness is a manifestation of this sort of wrong that had been done to them or this sort of loneliness that they had experienced in their lives. And and so the evil characters, in a way, kind of represent the queer experience in right. a lot of ways. But And she's, she complains about sort of the whitewashing of it where now, like, Alan, we saw Aladdin in the theater, yeah. and um, she talks about how, she goes, on one hand, I find it encouraging that Disney was no longer using hints of homosexuality to paint Jafar as evil, but on the other hand, hot Jafar from the new movie was no fun. Um, it, I didn't... Wait. Hot, oh, from Aladdin. She's saying the new... Yeah, in, she's in, saying the new one. In the new Aladdin, hot I saw hot a naked Jafar. picture of him. Oh, he good. <laughs> um, but, but he is fun. And I would argue that he is actually very queer in the live action version. And I does oh. I mean it doesn't matter. Yeah, right. But I right. would argue that he is actually one of the more queer characters in I mean, it's a it's a film about a, a genie. But like he is one of the more yeah. queer characters. And I don't think I think this is taking a very black and white view of queerness in that, you know, these characters that in the animated film might come off as queer, and sure, there's queer quoted thing of the limp wrist or the, you know, sort effect. of effects that they have. But that is also a societal thing that's been applied onto these characters to view these characters in a certain way. When in reality, it's like they're being over the top. These characters. I, just, these, I, I mean, I, I get what she's saying. I respect it, but I'm also a little like. She also tried. I mean, it's not. It's not that big. Well, let's respect not, the history of like <laughs> Ursula is probably Ursula is the yeah, Ursula gayest. Is obviously, is, is a fair. <laughs> well, but point, what's right. so fascinating? It is a fair point, but Ursula was fundamentally created as a gay icon to look like divine and and to look like divine to throw respect to the queer community to say that like you're part she of was six yes the creator it's so interesting like the cre- actively the one of the lead producers i believe or i forget exactly who um when the the disney renaissance started so it started with <clears throat> with, right. with little, little mermaid, mermaid beauty right. the, the, beast, the big Aladdin. films uh the little mermaid and beauty and the beast um same man worked on it and he used divine as an inspiration for ursula and then Beauty and the Beast is an allegory for the queer experience with the beast being subjected from society and pushed away and finding himself through this person and finding his own true identity. And the man, I forget his Logging name. Into grinder, I forget his name. If, if someone, Lan could look this up, um, uh, our producer Lan, he, he, he died of AIDS-related causes, but he was a big, big, big catalyst in the early days of the Disney Renaissance for putting a queer narrative, which is why it was so important for Bill Condon, who did the live action version of Beauty and the Beast to have the the queer character in the live action version mm. of Beauty and the Beast to res- 
How the Howard Ashman was the man's name, and it was important to him to respect Howard's legacy and what he did for the Disney Renaissance. So, like, we can talk about the queer coded Disney characters, but like, there was a queer man well, and, pushing this narrative in that sense, it in is a positive kind of, way. In that sense, it is actually surprisingly subversive that as little kids, oh, we were favorite word. We were basically watching <laughs> Divine, yeah, through. You know, watching her, if you if you like me as a kid watch these movies over and over and over. Yeah, you're watching the re, the queerest character there could possibly be. Yeah, I mean, it didn't Ursula work on me is. though because my favorite song in the world is "Kiss the Girl." Oh, yeah, that is a good one. Kiss the girl. When we go to Disney, we need to go on the ride because that's a great part of the ride. Nope. <laughs> Not even joking. Paula Pell, thank you for being here. Yeah. Yeah. Paula thank is a you. writer. Thank you for having me. Oh my God, oh. we love you. You're yeah. a writer, an actress, producer. You have done it all. I've done it all. And, and you're par- funny we, as fuck. Apparently a sex worker now after listening to your airport <laughs> thing. I yeah. am. I, yeah. I, you know what? I went down Penis Avenue for two years when in the 80s. So. Oh, <laughs> I was at Epcot. It how was, was good. Yeah. It was all mostly men from other countries. Right, so, yeah. right. You know, That's like a, how I do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer to date guys in which English is their third to fourth language. Yeah. Uh, creamy Dutchman, you know, like yeah. creamy yeah. Dutchman. It's a witty little British man. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Little uh, is the operative word there, probably. Yeah. What's the um what's the, your dog's name who has the the jaw? Lucy. Lucy. Oh, that jaw is so cute. Oh, but we um we actually got a uh, found, you know where five leaves is on fountain? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That sure. new restaurant. Mm-hmm. We sat there having dinner one night a couple about two months ago looking out the window and she was like dog in traffic dog in traffic not no leash and we went into code les we were like (laughs) i ran and got bread she she ran out i got my car from valet she came around the corner this way i came around the corner we we hit him off at the block like two blocks away and he had stopped to sniff a dog so we we were right walking behind oh my god and she was like should i grab him and i go just grab him it's the only chance you're gonna get so you wrote for snl for like two decades you were, uh, you, you were on 30 Rock as well. Wait, I mean, how did you do that? SNL for two decades. Well, because you started in musical theater, right? I, I started, I was a I was a total theater nerd, mm-hmm. went, you know, did only, that's all I ever wanted to do, that and be a vet, but I w- wouldn't have gotten through the science of it yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, and the emotional pain of it. Sure. So uh, I would have never put any dog to sleep. They'd right, be, yeah. same. They'd be at death's door Absolutely. and it's like, put them out of their misery and I'm like, no, I'm going to sing. Them home. <laughs> I'm going to sing uh, Not Well. Not while I'm around yeah. from a oh. sweetie Todd. I didn't want to sing it because I you didn't should. want you to have yeah. to pay for it. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's going to harm you. <laughs> um, so anyway, I did a lot of theater when I was young and, and loved it and got my degree in college with it. And mm-hmm. and then uh, after college, I went back to Florida. My parents lived in Orlando. I went back to Florida and, and oh. performed at Disney for oh, a few oh, years. Wow. Yeah. And I worked at Pleasure Island, the nighttime Wait, complex. Wait, who did you perform? As any, I any was at Adventurers Club in Pleasure Island in Disney oh. World. I don't know if any of you ever went yes. there back in the day, mm. but it was like the big 1930s yes. social club, and it had like a big stage where we did you know radio shows and mu- musical uh, cabarets, and then yeah. there'd be this big giant like pub and sort of museum and. 
we would get paid to just be these character these eccentric characters mm-hmm. all night with yeah. the people. It was fun as hell, so and you'd make basically. really good money for yeah. a young like theater student that just yeah. got out of college. I would go visit all my friends in New York who were cater waiting sixteen hours yeah. a day and miserable and wanted to die, yeah. and never had time to audition. And I was like, I kind of like this for a while. Yeah. Right. And then uh, I did. I had a, some friends that did improv that were really talented in Orlando that a lot have come out to L.A. over the years and worked so much. And they they had a group in Orlando called Sac Theater. And I I used to do sketch comedy for them <laughs> occasionally. Just I didn't really do improv much, but if somebody gave me musical improv, I could do it and uh-huh. and, and shoot the shit on that. But I wasn't really a a trained improv person at all. And they asked me to do these characters that I wrote for myself that they had seen me do. And so I did those and then they did a pilot and they had me do those on their pilot. And then SNL saw that. And I was at, at my Universal Studios job one day in the green room talking to my little commercial agent in Orlando because I used to do some commercials. (laughs) And she was like, are you sitting down? And I said, yeah. And she said, uh, Saturday Night Live called. They saw this pilot. They want Lorne Michaels wants you to fly to New York and talk to him. And it's oh, not wow. an audition. And I was like, what? what the hell is it? Wow. And so I went there dying of fear. Sure. Yeah. Because also it wasn't an audition. So right. I was like, what, what is this? By the way, that also would be the most exciting phone call for that Orlando agent ever. Yeah. Oh my God. It was, it was incredible. That's the highlight and of I was career. working at the Murder She Wrote post production <gasps> show. Oh my God. That was you my just... favorite. I, literally, I did that as a kid. Oh I was God. the one who said, uh, it's not Susan. Tyler did it. Like I got to do the I got to do the voiceover and I did the wind machine. I might have been the one that had you up there. Wow! Oh my god! So you know, so I did that that and just was standing in the green room hearing this. And I had in about four days from then, I got on a plane and flew to New York. You you know, went to Thirty Rock and walked through that big scary building. Yeah. Yeah. And to this day, when I'm in that building, I think of that walking through there, going like, "Oh my god." And I just went upstairs, and he was three hours late. Sure. And I was sure. shitting myself. Of course. Yeah. And I had a suit on that I, I found a picture the other day that I finally found a picture of the suit. It was like a skirt and a kind of jacket <laughs> matching sort of thing. And it was the color of just violent baby shit. Like, yeah. like just, just yeah. the most pucey. Ah. Oh, not a wow. cool, like, West Elm yeah. puce. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, these are the colors of mid-century <laughs> Velvet furniture. Yeah. This is just uh, like exp- a, a baby sh- shit in my hand while I'm yeah. changing her. And I don't know where the hell I got that outfit. Oh but I yeah. Yeah. And I went in and talked to him and he started into saying, you know, this is a year of renewal that this show usually will go down in ashes every few years. And then we it rises again from the ashes. And this is one of those years we we fired. I mean, say fired, but they yeah. they let go of almost everyone that year in 95, 94. And I came in 95 and they said, and we're looking for one more writer and we want to hire a woman and we would like to hire you as a w- woman. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't do that. I don't like I kept talking him out of it, yeah. which right. made him all the more want yeah. to do it, because, of course, that's just anything in oh life when you're trying to tell people not to not to want you. Um, doesn't work in the sack, but right. I've tried it. <laughs> but um, 
And and so I just I just said, oh my god, I'm so you know I don't even know how to use the computer. I yeah. had never written for other people. I'd written my whole life in ter- my, up until then with like short stories mm-hmm. and different things in school, but it was so separate than my theater. It was like yeah. Yeah. I was I was only doing it performing it myself. So yeah. to do it for someone else. But then I got there and realized I was thinking it was going to be all these Harvard guys and and me, you know, yeah, and yeah. I'm going, who the fuck is this? Yeah. And and I just got there, and it was like so many people from improv and actors sure, and yeah. ri- actor writers. Yeah. And and then I just never left, and it was an amazing. So who else period. was a part of that? That sort I, of renaissance. I came with Will Ferrell, yeah. Molly Shannon, Sherry O'Terry, uh, Anna Gastar came a little like a cup a few months later. Yeah. Um, and uh, Chris Kattan, like that whole oh, game. Wow. D- Daryl mm-hmm. Hammond, that we were all there that very first. Yeah. That's like right when I started watching. Yeah. It was like middle school. Yeah. And that was perfect for me because uh, if I would have come any other era, I think I wouldn't have been there that long. But because mm-hmm. I came at that era, it was the it was absolutely a prime time that they were doing characters. And yeah. I did mm-hmm. recurring characters all the time. And that was my bread and butter. So once you got a couple recurring characters going. Because you yeah. did the Spartans. I did the cheerleaders. I did Bobby and Marty, right. the music teachers. <laughs> yeah. I did um, yeah. Debbie Downer. <laughs> Um, oh, man. I did uh, Appalachian Emergency Room, Tony Bennett <laughs> with Alec Baldwin, um, yeah. the Omeletteville right. with yeah, yeah. Um, Justin Timberlake. Justin. I was an intern there while you were there. I think you told me that. I yeah, did. that's amazing. And there was one sketch. Was I a bitch? No, you were a dream. <laughs> okay, good. But there was a sketch that I think that you wrote that didn't get to air or they tried a couple times called Charlie Coffee. Oh, my God. With Maya. Oh, I'll have to think about that one. And I took the scripts home because they that were so, so funny. <laughs> I was not supposed to do funny. that. Yeah. But I love Charlie <laughs> Coffee. Come after you. Oh, my Charlie God. Charlie Coffee. Just the name so alone. Oh, that's funny. so good. I wish I remembered it. How can you remember? There's my, so you, My adult oh my brain. Um, I was just remembering one the other day. Uh, telling someone, and I did not write it. It was one of those really super simple ones that I wish I would have written where it was just a live, it was a live commercial. We didn't pre-tape it, and it was just um, during the live show, and it was, and I don't even know, I guess it didn't get to air because no one I talked to remembered it, but it was Will Ferrell, like, on a close-up with a baby, and he was diapering a baby and saying how, like, you know, I worry about my baby skin and blah 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 with all the toxins out there and that's why you know I love this natural diaper lotion and all this whole thing and all of a sudden Anna comes in and goes who the fuck are you <laughs> and he kicks a window out and just oh leaves. my god that's and great and it was just one of those sketches that like those were the ones you just dreamt because yeah, Tuesdays yeah. was the all night Tuesdays were the all nighters it was so stressful and fun and crazy but you'd stay up for like 37 hours Insane. how did you no, do was, that I, so I was gonna long. say we should maybe talk a little bit about I mean I think uh, We've had friends who've worked at SNL, but like I didn't know until my friends started working there that it's this extraordinarily stressful, exhausting experience yeah, and it's, like very cutthroat. I mean, it's a, absolutely. I, I have to say, I'm always a defender of it in in the way of I'm sure some people, if they were there for a short amount of time, they might have had a really terrible time because if you were in a pocket of stress where yeah. things weren't going well for you and yeah. you didn't know people enough to feel a safe place with yeah. the social circle of it um pretty much almost all the time that i was there it just was so populated with so many good people that yeah. good-hearted people that my friends and family would come and go 
Is there anyone here that's not nice? <laughs> right. like, I mean, they were yeah. truly, and yeah. that trickled down from Lauren because I know, you know, Lauren always has this reputation for being this very cold and, you know, biting his pinky sort of yeah. <laughs> iconic uh, villain sort of yeah. thing. And he, he's, he's reserved because he's Canadian and he's, he's very polite, but he can't stand cruelty. Like he can't yeah. stand, you know, and, and he loves the competition. He's a producer. He's uh, truly loves when people get fired up and, and want to win and all that, because that's what makes stars really. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, he, he all, it, it, it trickled down from him that we did not suffer assholes. So, you know, at least in my era, they're just if someone was just a huge asshole, they just didn't last because it's yeah. like you're not there's not enough fans of that here right now. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. We are all so tired from working crazy hours and working live television, which is super stressful and working with a different host every week, which you, some of them were batshit sure. crazy and some of them were fantastic. You know, yeah. Yeah. so it's it's just one of those roller coasters. It's the perfect perfect job for me because I was I was like immediate gratification yeah. and I was like addictive personality in terms of just <laughs> rush sure of yeah. just like <laughs> running like network the movie network yeah. like running through the halls you know yes. right as we're going from commercial like changing a line yeah. telling the host and I'm going five four literally like chaos. that all the yeah. time it's controlled chaos and I you know then I went to work on movies and other stuff and, and moved to LA and it's just like everything is so slow so slow yeah. and I have yeah. to watch it because you know I'll get hired to do something and they'll be like now how long do you think that'll take you to do that and I'll be like uh, seven hours Right. But I want, I'll go, oh, no, it's in eight, eight weeks. Is good. Right. You, can right, right. you can pay me for eight weeks to finish that rewrite. So when did, before we get off SNL, is one thing I do want to ask about it. Yeah. You, you mentioned safe space and, like, finding your safe space within the staff and yeah. the cast of the I show. I knew Alan would love that. How, how did you, like, as a gay person... How did you navigate finding your safe space at SNL? Because like now, I think people take for granted Kate McKinnon. She's an amazing leader. Yeah. She's a standout of the show. But for years, there wasn't many queer out gay cast no. members or storylines. And but how you, did you find that and space? And you worked closely with James Anderson, who's also queer. Well, James Anderson was my roommate all through college. Oh. And he was my best friend. And he is is just my closest love and so he uh he and i went to college together then he, he moved to new york after college and i would go visit him and then i got the job at snl and he kept coming and he's the funniest human alive and he kept <laughs> coming to visit you know everyone at snl and go to the after parties and people would go who is this <laughs> who is this and why who are they this? not here yeah. in the building every day writing right. material for this because he you know he's a grew up in a tobacco farm singing bad girl you know uh yeah. donna summer on a on a you know wearing bandeslay i'm saying yeah. all his yeah. his precious things i shouldn't say on here because he's he's using them in things of his own yeah. but his life story is like amazing and so he and i just we were just, I mean, I was so closeted there for so long because I was pretty asexual in my life because my first girlfriend and I, it was she was my best friend in high school and we got together right after high school 
after, you know, all of high school, like just, you know, spooning in a twin bed in her bedroom, yeah, her mom right. coming and going, why, why are you all both sleeping in the same bed? Right. And we're just, we're listening to the music, but we didn't know. Like we would say if anyone walked in here, they'd think we were lesbians sure. and we'd be holding hands like yeah. gently like this, listening to music. It was just such a natural progression sure, of, of what course. we were. And so. Which is sweet in its own way. Yeah. yeah. Very did, did she be, is she a lesbian now? Oh, yeah. She's been with the same woman for many, many years. She lives in England uh, and still my friend, as we do in uh, the gay ladies, always, (laughs) always stay friends. And so I got, you know, really brokenhearted in that breakup during towards the end of college. And so after that, I just really kind of and I also wanted to have a kid at that time. And at that time, it was like. You didn't have a kid unless you were married, yeah. Straight, you know. I mean, unless you were at least living straight. Sure. And so I had had, you know, little crushes on boys before, and I thought, well, maybe I'm bisexual, and I'll, you know, just keep exploring, and I'll find. And that's when I went down Penis Avenue, right? And (laughs) so the only reason I really came out at SNL was because James had come up with this idea called Homicil, which was a commercial for a pill that parents take if they think their kid's going to be gay. And and everyone was so worried because there's just no yeah. nobody was aware at the time of the real like you know the difference between a gay con- gay content that was pro gay and yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, right. that right. was anti gay. They just thought any gay was going to offend. Right. And, Which is how, what it's like now, but yeah, continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we just kept saying Oh my God! It's it's so positive, gay. Like yeah. it's so. Yeah. And and we just kept saying it, and finally in a meeting, I was just like, "Well, I'm gay, and I'm going to tell you right now, I will give you a million dollars if this gets picketed because this is." <laughs> and then it got like a glad, you know, of honor course. at glad yeah. and yeah. everything. So um, I was really always so closeted. I remember telling Tina Fey in our in our little office, just laying there crying at five in the morning, like. I gotta tell you something. <laughs> She's like, "What?" And I go, "I got, I, I've been with women. That I think I, I'm like gay, but I, but I used to have. Well, I'm, I'm gay." And I was so tortured. She was like, "Oh, well, that's all right." Huh? Yeah. But people were surprised. I think they yeah. thought I was just like one of those. You know, big ladies that was just like loves everybody and brings a, has a gum drawer. You know, didn't you have a house in the Hudson Valley? And goes home and furiously masturbates and eats a whole pizza. <laughs> a gum were you? Were, how long? Because you had a home in in Hudson Valley, right? I did. I just sold it. Yeah. Oh wow! Because I had a marriage for seventeen years right. with my. Mm. Uh, my wife D and she was a wonderful person and we you know unfortunately got to a place where it wasn't good for either one of us and mm-hmm. so about 5 years ago we we uh broke up and eventually got divorced and everything and uh I sold that house but I was commuting for many years I remember you would talk about it I would it, yeah. drive I would drive an hour and 40 minutes back and wow. forth about 3 times a week to the show oh, and wow. then I'd stay in a hotel on other nights and it was fantastic because I bet. it's Hotels so the cheap best. up yeah. there I don't yeah. know if you've ever been in the Hudson oh, Valley gorgeous. but Oh yeah New I Pulse? mean my house I sold it for $7 and it was a four bedroom <laughs> farmhouse with four acres that was like Oh my God. Literally the most picturesque thing you could ever imagine. Right. Wow. And it was $235,000. Oh my God. And I bought it for wow. like 300000 So it was like a, you know, a, a, a loss, but, um, I didn't ever want to give it up, and I finally, I finally gave it up. And we actually, the dog we just found, we're convinced is 
one of my former dogs because I had to leave like I buried all of my animals ashes under this beautiful tree and it's gotten really big now oh, and wow. I was like wow. leaving the house crying apologizing to the oh roots of the tree going yeah. I'm sorry I'm leaving all of you yeah um, <laughs> because and, you are uh, with our fr- our friend Janine Brito who has been on the show yes yeah. yeah. I'm engaged to a really um incredibly kind and exciting and foxy Cuban and Icelandic she's the best Bush girl who is so beautiful yeah she's and great so sweet and um we just laugh we were in such such a laugh fit today on the way to go run errands that I could not I've never thought in a million years I would ever be with someone in comedy ever in my life yeah and I can't believe that we are both comedy brains. It's yeah. hilarious. It's funny because like I, it's that's one of the things I get the least when I go on dates is that I never, I guess I don't know. I've been in comedy for a long time. I just I don't laugh that much unless it's a very good friend yeah. or yeah. someone I really know. Their psyche, but on so this is no critique, but like. The number of times I've laughed hard on a first date, I, probably I three times in my life. Yeah. You guys are it's so, so rare. Lucky. Yeah, gay, yeah. gay really male comedians really don't that. date each other. Yeah, well, I don't. I never ever date. I never wanted to date anyone in the business. I wouldn't yeah. want anyone that was on. I didn't yeah. want anyone that was. Yeah. And she is such an old soul, and she's she wouldn't she wouldn't mind me telling this, but. Um, because I've asked her permission many times, and she always says yes. So I'm hoping this one. But we found out on my on our first date, we found out that um, because uh, she told me that she had cancer in high school, and her make a wish was to go to SNL, and she went to SNL, and I was it was my first year there. Oh, wow. weird. And I was in the monologue, so I was like up there doing a little line. Oh, wow. That's weird. Thirty year old me. Insane. And, and she uh, she remembers that. Oh yeah, she yeah, doesn't yeah. remember me necessarily, oh, but it, yeah. she remembers, you know, which I have a little problem. Um, I was really hoping that story led to like, and I remember this blue-eyed, round-faced girl. Oh, I, had, I had a funny one recently where I was on a date with this guy, and uh, it's this guy, that dude in San Diego, who yeah. I've been pining after for a very long time. Yeah, and he just is doesn't reciprocate at all or not nearly enough and I just think he's perfect but we're like you know just we've been chatting for like two years long yeah. story short we're on this date and and he's like oh I have this picture of you that I it's my favorite picture I love this picture and I'm like oh really alright <laughs> okay. he, he brings out his phone he starts scrolling he's one of these guys that has 50,000 pictures yeah. so he's scrolling for solidly two minutes <laughs> but I'm getting excited and then he shows me this picture that I posted of me as like a gay ass kid on Instagram. Oh, and damn. I was like, I was like, honestly, like you, you're not jerking off to that. It was like, he's like, yeah, it's just funny, it's goofy. I'm like, uh, I'm never doing this again. Uh, it's such a oh, bummer. No. I, I mean, really it's did... just we we constantly say to each other there could have been so many things that went wrong, like yeah. in terms of us both being in the same business. Sure. Anything. Yeah. It was just kind of just a perfect combination. She's very uh, the reason I brought up the cancer. Thing is, she just is an old soul. She's mm-hmm. you know twenty years younger than me, but like does not seem like no, that. No, not at all. And, right. And uh, <laughs> I seem younger than fifty six, right, guys? <laughs> One of you would chime in on that. I'll just say it, so it's on the record. No, I really do think that you know it doesn't matter. Sex is whatever. Like yeah, having things in common is whatever. But like having. Someone making you laugh, especially yeah. no, no matter if they're a comedian, but if like, especially if you're a comedian and someone else can make you laugh. But that's the blessing and the really, curse. Like Ugh. my boyfriend, Michael, he's not 
funny. Yes, really, he is. But he's so funny. He's really funny. No, it, the, the laughter between people, I think, because my ex and I used to laugh a lot together, is it's not about, you know, whether they're funny yeah. or not funny. I mean, Janine happens to be extremely funny. funny. Yeah. But we laugh more about, like, the idiosyncrasies of each other yeah, and right. how we call it. You know, not not right. making fun of it, but, like, you know, just giving each other that. We have a we have a running thing now when we drive that we get laughing so hard because I told her one day she's the queen of GPS, like, but, like, <laughs> leading you so much by the hand that at one point, if you're not in the mood or you're maybe, like, seven minutes from starting your period, right. you don't yeah. want her to tell you, like, how to go in your neighborhood that you live in, like where her hand is going. So I constantly do the hand when we're in my neighborhood because I finally said to her, the only thing that bugs me, I said, I love oh knowing that you're always there with the directions. I love it because I'm yep. not good at them, but I just don't like the, the pointing. we're a block from the house that we bought right. and you're going this and this and it's like flight attendant with the two fingers on each hand. And I'm like, nope, you don't need to tell oh me. Once God. we're that's in a, that's the a area, fair response. I yeah. know where, you know, she goes, message received, she gets it. You know what's interesting to me is, um, so you would, so after your divorce, you moved to LA. Yep. And you said, um, you said that uh, you felt like Nana Homo <laughs> that comes oh by and gives everyone <laughs> hugs because you felt that uh, you said that you'd felt that uh, when you were younger, it, it was a different scenario in which you were, you know, dating, whether it was men or women. But I assume, you know, now as an older gay woman, it was dif it was difficult to make that adjustment. And I feel and we often talk in this podcast a lot and we grouse about, you know, how how often it doesn't go. You don't hear these stories of frustration and, and like oh, what yeah. how hard it is to date. It just you don't hear it enough. And it was really interesting to read you talk about that a yeah, little bit. It is just really the the hardest thing I I had, you know, I had worked with some younger uh and they weren't that much younger than me, but they were, you know, in L.A. and they were just cooler, younger gay mm -hmm. women that were super stylish and and just they just the L word. The L word is very. But not even like the L word femme, like more like butch, but like, yeah. you know, my best friend is this like super uh, handsome, stylish, wonderful cinematographer. And these, you know, all these friends of mine that I started getting through her, I was like, I think back in the back of my mind, it was like, if I had moved to LA, mm -hmm. I think I would be in a circle of really great, creative, uh -huh. fun, cool, you know, and I didn't, I don't like people who are oppressively cool at all, <laughs> right, but, uh, right. but just that took care of themselves and yeah. had a style to them and were charismatic sure. and cute. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm I'm just going to fall right into that. And certainly mm -hmm. not in New York. There was just not really much of a social scene that I hung out with any gay yeah. people that much because I was up in the Hudson Valley and was friends with my, like, 60-year-old Italian neighbors. And, right, yeah. And, and so I just really thought, I think I really set myself up for, I'm going to live in West Hollywood. I'm going to, you know, spend a lot of time going out with my friends and I would just it would always be the same thing where it was yeah. just like either couples or it would just be you know too cool for me or too and I just always felt like you know that somebody brought their great aunt with them to the <laughs> Abbey and yeah. I'm sitting there like eating nachos going do that dance again that's fun I'm getting my knee replacement soon I can't dance but you guys have fun and I just it was so fucking depressing and I tr I hate dating so much I never really ever did it so now people were trying to fix me up and I would go on these yeah. horrendous dates where like this one girl was um, two hours late and she kept calling oh. me going oh. I'm almost there 
I'm I'm walking, talking yeah. to my friend, and blah blah blah. Oh, yeah, the worst. It's so offensive, especially when uh, sometimes I get this where they'll say I'm leaving, oh. and then they get there's so much late that you're later that you're like you did you weren't even leaving when you said you were leaving. Oh my god! So you couldn't even have the respect to no. tell me when you were actually leaving. No. You were lying. Also, I don't know you, so there's no like <laughs> stakes. Like right, just right. hang up the phone. Right, like, that's yeah, it. Right. Let me go to bed in my blow dry and just right. like you know, I would blow out my hair and sit oh. with my purse in my lap and <laughs> like go laugh. to the ATM at Ralph's and be like, yeah. really? And this one girl just kept saying, <laughs> she Ralph. kept saying, I'm walking my friend to his car. He's had some problems. I was talking to him. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I'm so sorry. Blah, 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 blah. And we were supposed to meet at Cantor's to eat. Mm-hmm. And and then later <laughs> in the date, she fucking admitted that she and her the friend went to Cantor's. What? <laughs> Oh my God! Wait. She was like, he made me go to Cantor's and talk to him, and I was like, I gotta go meet a friend here in a little while, and he's like, tough shit. I need to talk to you about this boyfriend of mine, and blah blah blah. So they went to Cantor's. They went and sat at Cantor's. <laughs> like I wish I would have gotten there early and stood and by the saw. window and just oh glared at her. God. That is yeah, wild. It's like that who crazy. raised you? Like who, who raised, raised you? That's my question always. Yeah. Who with is your that, mother? I know. Who is yeah. your father? I know. Like who teaches you? The parents stuff? are probably embarrassed. Let's be real. Oh. The craziest, I mean, we've talked about it on the show before, but the craziest that version of that that I've ever heard was Brent was on a date with a guy who kept, he was late, he was late, he's late, and Brent's like getting frustrated. And eventually the guy said that he couldn't come because, quote, his heart was giving him problems. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he said, my heart was, he's 22. He's my in the heart. best shape of anyone I've ever seen in my life. And then the crazy thing was, uh, he sent me this picture. I was actually just telling the story earlier today. Uh, he sent me this picture of him with this thing coming out of his arm that looked like a plastic tube. Uh, but to it prove was that he clearly, was at the hospital? Yes. But it was clearly taken on a bed that wasn't the hospital bed oh because God. it had like Disney sheets or something. Uh, so it was gross. It was so uh, weird. But I was like, how did he get this tube that had like seemed, it looked like it had blood in it? Uh, Google image. You can reverse search. Uh yeah, you know what? Well, this was two years ago, so I yeah. can't do it now. But like, yeah, I was. What, what I was gonna obsessed. say is, it could he could have been just getting like a vitamin <clears throat> infusion, right. maybe, oh, you know, like you Lisa Rinna. The for all the yeah. time getting a vitamin yeah. infusion. I'm like, I had yeah. a guy on a date tell me that I didn't have enough Instagram followers. And, oh, that's, no. and that's why we that's why we wouldn't be compatible because he's an influencer. He had 20k. Oh, he's an influencer. Wow. And he in order to like, you know, increase content, his ideal match would also have to be an influencer oh, as well. But he assumed that is the saddest. He assumed that I had a lot of Instagram followers when he set up the date because I had a lot of Twitter followers. <laughs> that is so disgusting. I had a, a woman that just was so too cool for school, like Silver Lake yeah. designer of some sort, and yeah. she she just was so playing that thing of being disinterested in <sighs> anything that I told oh. her about my life. Cool. And, yeah. But I knew that she knew about my life, and so yeah. she'd be like, so what do you, I heard you, you what do you, because she was a yeah. friend of a friend, like you write, you wrote for Saturday Night Live or something, I don't know, I don't know <laughs> And I go, yeah, and she goes, well, what did you write? And I go, oh, like Debbie Downer, and blah, blah. She's like, I have no idea. No idea, I, I right. Uh, never heard of Debbie Downer. I'm like, you're such a liar. Yeah, you're just lying. <laughs> I'm not saying that as a brag of Debbie no. Downer. No. Like, yeah. come That's on. Huge. You live in yeah. Silver Lake. You're huge. a gay lady. You probably say Debbie Downer. He's, you know, she there. saw the Lindsay Lohan clip. Let's be real. Uh, Everyone yeah. saw it. There's a. Do, wait, uh, have you always, have you found, oh, sorry. I was, no, go ahead, go ahead. Have you found it difficult to associate with, to, to have you, 
felt included in the lesbian community. Because that's the theme of this podcast is that we're all we always feel like we're ostracized. I always that that was part of my question too. The idea that I always and I don't want it to be um, I don't mean it to be simple or offensive, but I sort of pine for the the lesbian community because there always seems to be more community, more thoughtfulness, and yes, maybe emotions run higher and people stay together or 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 they stay friends. But I pine for that emotional intimacy and but maybe I maybe it's a mirage and I'm and I'm sort of projecting I don't know well when I look at my life I it is sad that I was closeted for so long and just kind of not in it for so long because mm-hmm. for many years after my college girlfriend I did nothing with anyone so mm-hmm. I wasn't like you know, not considering myself gay nor straight nor anything. Yeah. I, I mean, if anyone asked me, yeah, I'd tell them my sad love story and brokenheartedness of my girlfriend mm-hmm. and admit admit that in quotes. Mm-hmm. But really, for so many years, I I just lived for working at SNL, and then um, and then when I met my girlfriend, it was so my wife. Right. Eventually, I met her online, and it was like so secret and so I felt so dirty and but it was exciting. Of course, I had this like, oh my god, I think. I'm going to have a relationship. And and then, you know, eventually I came out to my parents and all that stuff pretty late because I hadn't ever really been doing anything. And it wasn't really too much of a big surprise for anybody but uh, in my family because they were kind of like, she never hates guys. Um, and my mom admitted finding all the letters and reading some of them from my first girlfriend. So yeah. I'm like, well, thanks for saving, <laughs> get, making me sweat all these years oh down the God. crack of my ass for, you know, um, about to tell you at Thanksgiving and decided not to and um and you knew all along but anyway i i really really when i was growing up as in my, as a young gay person like i valued that community and i went to the bars all the time and danced mm-hmm. and was with all my gay men and all my gay women and it just felt so good and then that just kind of all went away and i was this kind of generic weird category of person mm-hmm. and then once I was uh, out at SNL, I was in this relationship, and we got a house up in the country, and it just, mm-hmm. I never was with my gang of, right. of and there yeah. weren't that many gay people at SNL at sure. the time. And so I just never really had that much, I mean, I had close, close friends like James and his husband, but we were all kind of couples, and mm-hmm. and uh, so coming out here, I think there were times, uh, sadly, I was just <laughs> sort of old and super deeply depressed for being lonely and divorced to be at you know go out to dance and go mm-hmm. to Akbar and like yeah. have a gay night where I'm just like actually out in it yeah, and sure. and around all different ages of of gay people I went on the Olivia cruise with oh. my with my oh. wife and yeah. was with 1200 gay women and we stopped in Turkey and all these homophobic men that ran the little booths that probably would love to kill <laughs> oh, me no. had gay flags and they were oh, all going, wow. we have your size, 3X, 2X, 4X. <laughs> That's all, they, that was their draw. You, fat, la- fat gays, fat gay ladies. <laughs> um, but I never have felt like that sort of deeply embedded as yeah. this age, like yeah. at all. That's, because yeah. once I came out here, then I was feeling a little bit on the fringe of like I'm not cool enough I'm not woke yeah. enough I'm not yeah. I don't know you know and I still struggle sometimes I've, I'm much different than I was and I educated myself along the way but like I'm 56 years old and you know there'd be times where I'd get called out on Twitter about mm-hmm. something but I do push back if it's something ridiculous of course you know, I, in yeah. the trailer to to um, cats please say cats <laughs> 
No. <laughs> um, I live the trailer of Cats every day oh, right. when I wake up. Um, no, the trailer <laughs> for Wine Country, country yeah. is, you know, I improvised a joke in it of, you know, I did Molly in college, but I, uh, um, she went back to her boyfriend. And, you know, everyone high fives me. And immediately on Twitter, like all these women schooling oh me God. that it was biphobic. Oh, my oh God. And I'm God. like, how the fuck is that biphobic? Because oh, I slept no. with women that oh, went back to their boyfriends and they were bisexual and I was gay. You still got and, left for a boyfriend. Like And I was gay and they were bisexual and they yeah. went back to the But it's also it's not it's it's also again the argument it's not coming from a place of hate yeah. of any type of phobia. Yeah. It's right. you as a gay woman making a joke. Right. It's all in a in comedy. The right. of a and also something yeah. that actually would happen. Of that that yeah. was always the thing that you know I did a sketch years ago for Ellen Page way before she was out um on SNL based on when I was going through dating men is I would go to like a Indigo Girls concert and I would come back from it and just be like yeah, it was so good it was just so many women and so much it was just it was hot in there and there was a lot of shoulders and it just tattoos and I just the smell of just ladies and their hair product and I was so jacked up because I was just not living a gay life oh I was not God. with my, my right. peeps yeah. yeah and so I wrote a sketch where she comes home to Andy Samberg from like a Melissa Etheridge concert and yeah. it's, like, it's like I feel like a lantern that's been lit from within in and yes. she put her legs over her head and, and she was super funny in it and I got so hit on the internet of course it yeah. was back in the you know right. the, the crank yeah. the crank up computer yeah. days of like AOL, days. Right. Right. AOL yeah. comment list or whatever the fuck it was called but I mean people were like well another gay sketch you know anti-gay sketch uh, by oh my and, I, God. and I would come back at it come back at the oh, my oh God. One, of, one woman said one mean old dyke said um, <laughs> I'm a mean old, I'm a sweet old dyke so I could say dyke yeah. uh, um, I claim it I claim dyke <laughs> is that she said um um, you know, if they're going to write a gay sketch, could they at least use a somewhat current band group like <sighs> Tegan and Sarah? Or Melissa something? Etheridge recently I, won an Academy I, Award. And I said, I said, Melissa Etheridge. I said, I still have a cassette tape of her in my car, so fuck off. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. It, I wrote it when I still had her yeah. tapes in my car, sure. so yeah. it's current for me. Right, I'm not cool. Right. I'm not cool. It's I have such say, a ridiculous parsing. I'm, yeah. I'm so glad you brought up Wine Country. We have to talk about Wine Country on Netflix. It is so funny, and you, you stole the movie. You're the standout. You really are. Yes. I watched it with my boyfriend. I knew it was going to be funny, but I didn't know. I really hadn't didn't know anything about it. And in watching it, he fell in love with you. He That's and then really I. Sweet. He didn't know that you wrote all of those years of SNL, the great years of SNL, mm -hmm. and and it just he was blown away by you. That's you, real it, sweet. Yeah. Thank you very. Everyone much. should go watch. You can Long also Country. see that it's clearly a, the, the friendship between all you ladies. Yeah, is yeah so it's so genuine sweet and, and fun. I I kind of got amused for for anyone that was like I thought it would you know I thought it was going to be wilder or whatever, and yeah. it's yeah. like we were we we went on that trip. Yeah, and yeah, that is right. a movie about that trip. Right. Yeah. And it was such a crazy fun. I really bought those. Dill I didn't buy the ones with the party hat on them. I bought classier, much more expensive ones. But I went to the Hustler store the night before the trip and bought $100 vibrators so for every hilarious. person. And wow. bought, you know, and I was Dilda Claus and I made a beard out of paper towel. Yes. And That's so great. a lot of those things in that movie happened. I was topless during that uh, part, uh, during that actual trip. And, um, 
and was in the in the movie but it's just like my best you know closest mm, friends in the world so that good. i yeah that when you go through snl together you know i'm not saying like veterans as in like the trauma of war in any way but you mm. do have a kindred <laughs> yeah experience <clears throat> and you've been through the highs and lows of of rejection and and just having horrible weekends where everything you did failed miserably course, and sure. some things that you were the biggest star in the world that weekend and so it's just it's just a beautiful thing to watch all these ladies who all have these amazing kids and it's just really fun to still we talk all the time on a text chain and they're really my 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 tribe well before you go i just also want to say that <clears throat> my favorite thing in the world right now is um, co-op the musical? I, I imagine for you. So this, there's an ep- episode of documentary now that I've been telling everybody about, in which they basically recreate the documentary that was about Company in the '70s, and you are basically the map over of um, Elaine Stritch, and it is the it is like a mind blowing master. The whole thing is a ma- comedic the masterpiece. Whole, the whole thing is just too much. It's so fun to get to hear you actually sing. It's so because you're so good. Thank you so much. It's so fun to. I was such a theater, you know, musical theater nerd, and and uh, just haven't done it in so many years. And we had so much fun, and we we learned all that music in like one day in Portland, gonna, and then yeah. we recorded it. I mean, sh- shot the whole thing, and. It, we were laughing the whole time because we <laughs> all were, and I mean, some of these people were like, you know, Broadway, you know, absolute Broadway icons, and I was trailing along, harmonizing but with listen, them, I mean, getting scared I was going to mess up, and but we got so into it, like we were in a, a community theater production. It's, it's incredible. By the end, we forgot that it's actually supposed to be just like a comedy. Like, yes. We were trying to nail, like nail things, and we but were it getting really, it really, worked. It, we wanted to put it, take it on the road. It's so, you know? it's so yeah. earnest, and it's so well done. I mean, it's, oh, per- it's, loved it. it's perfect. I mean, yeah. I, John I'm Mulaney and out. Seth Meyers and Eli Boland did the music, and it's just a masterpiece in terms of of capturing that Sondheim. And I grew up knowing every word to every Sondheim song, and just it really is incredible how they made those songs sound per- like Sondheim but exactly. not Sondheim. Like, know, just... And I'm not even like a Broadway guy but it's like oh that's that like 70s Sondheim like bossa nova putting pat- it together. Yeah. It's, per- yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. Just that pattery sort of um, uh, it's just it's so the, special the song- and I'm so thrilled that I got to do something musical like that because I just never I've never. You can see that you're thrilled because you don't oh. get to do it enough, and it's oh, it's, God. Oh, it's I was, great. Mm-hmm. I was just beyond thrilled, and then when it came out and people watched it and really appreciated the whole thing, and it's kind of tragic, you know. <laughs> it's so me good. With my cataract glasses on, and it's the closest <laughs> thing I've ever seen to waiting for Guffman. Oh, it's yeah. perfect. That's, yeah, I'm so glad. But you we love that you, and we, we love you so thank much you for being much. here. Where yeah. can people follow you Sorry on Twitter? Sorry, swear so much. Oh, we know. Oh, we <laughs> love okay. that. What's your Twitter handle again? Uh, my Twitter handle is Perlapel. P E R L A P E L L. And of course, watch Wine Country on Netflix. Yes, you have to immediately Please stop what you're doing. Please watch Wine Country. Yeah. We thank you so much. Yeah, thank we'll so much, guys. And another thing. So um, we've all been friends for a very long time. 
in 2013, I got this very long-winded email from a from a potential sponsor for my live show that I do, Hunting Renditions. I'd never gotten an email like this before, um, but this email was, as it turns out, from Brent, posing as a representative <laughs> of a company called Discrete Wipes. Um, this Wait, is a long email. Spelled, that, spelled Discrete. Discrete, D-I-Z-K-R-E-E-T, capital T, wipes with a Z at the end. Yeah. I um, created a fake email address. You know, I was just sitting in chemo while you were doing this bullshit. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is what you look. This that's is what... how I coped, Alan. That's how I coped. Let's get let Brent. Why don't you read right. this email with all sincerity? Okay. So this uh, is an email that I sent Elliot under the pseudonym Mabel. Mabel, Mabel Braun. Braun. Where did you I, get that name, by the it way? It sounds like a Hitler's wife or something. Mabel was Mabel was actually my dad's. No, it was my yeah. My dad had a lesbian aunt, and her wife was named <laughs> Mabel and Braun. And Braun, I just made up Braun. Also, I'll never Let's... forget the other random name that he uses, uh, uh, Tamala Bayless Hall. Uh, Tamia oh. Bayless Hall. I think I've gotten one from her. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love fucking with my friends. Yeah. yeah. I also discovered that there's an app called Pinger. Yeah. Oh, boy. Where you get you can text from your phone using a different phone number. Right. And so I love texting my friends. <laughs> yeah, including me. Including you all the time. <laughs> Red herrings. Uh usually about like, you know, your diary or whatever. Um yeah, so this was this was from Mabel Braun. <clears throat> Hi Elliot. My name is Mabel Braun. I'm the director of communications for Discreet Wipes. <laughs> in case you're unaware, Discreet Wipes is the fastest growing brand of discreet anal wipe in the country, <laughs> partly because we specifically cater to the underserved DL and PNP communities. That's down, <laughs> d- down low and party and play communities. So, yeah. Um, by offering three cents of wipe, uh, wood, leather, and cherry cola. <laughs> Here's where cola. you come in. <clears throat> we think you'd be the perfect replacement for our current spokesman, Cisco. <laughs> Your unique position would enable us to reach deeper within these notoriously closed off <laughs> communities. In fact, Elliot, in our innumerable focus groups, we've discovered that an eye-popping 10% of our target demographic has already had sex with you. He's unhinged. He's unhinged. He's unhinged. So we'd love to sponsor and help rebrand your show, Discreet Wipes Presents Haunting Renditions. (laughs) Here's how it might look. While you're on stage and before you start a song, you announce to the crowd, y'all probably noticed my pussy stank. The crowd will likely cheer. Then while singing, reach into our revolutionary container disguised as a malt liquor bottle (laughs) and remove a wipe unlike our competitors our wipes aren't flat like a sheet of paper rather we offer the world's first three-dimensional falafel bread shaped wipe which by the way i maintain is a great idea uh you mean a semicircle uh no like yeah 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 like a a full oh a full imagine a a falafel maybe better if it was as thick as one pita bread Yeah. yeah 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 Uh, with a wipe firmly ensconced on your fist, <laughs> use your free hand to loosen your belt, <laughs> then reach behind you and conduct three swift yet subtle up and down motions. Folding for extra use. On stage. Yeah, both sides. Finally, you discard the wipe. And at the end of the song, close with our slogan, now I can get my pussy ate at the airport. Best of all, five cents of every purchase of a 200-pack container of Discreet Wipes goes towards our nonprofit campaign, Wipe Out Child Illiteracy. Wipe out. Five cents. Wipe out, y'all. Wipe out. Uh, we look forward to our future uh, part, our future potential partnership. Wait, Warm you, regards. You can't, you, can't add, you can't leave out the line, but with your help, we can make you the face of discreet, legal, and most importantly, sanitary fun. <laughs> 
What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's episode? I like SNL because I haven't had cable my entire life. <laughs> uh, my aunt Joanne would say, you saw Aladdin in the theaters? <laughs> what are you, a baby? <laughs> Alan, what would Aunt, aunt Anne say? Well, my Aunt Anne would say, I, I, I slide into the DM every night. Dumb actress. <laughs> I'm a comedian. You were I'm so comedian. happy. You, like two minutes you ago, knew. you're like, ooh, I got it. Oh, well, wow. my aunt, aunt literally would do shit like that all the yeah. time where she would like do fun play on words. It's cute. It never was cute. Very cute. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. I am H. Ellen Scott. Star Bands Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.